0: Now here's a highlight from Coast to Coast AM on iHeartRadio.
1: And welcome back to Coast to Coast. George Norrie with you. Jim Rickards with us. His new book is called The New Great Depression. We're going to take calls with Jim next hour here on Coast to Coast. Jim, your reaction to the stimulus money going to individuals uh, initially now $600, maybe soon another $1,400, $2,000 total. Um, Every penny counts, I think, but Is that really going to help people?
0: It's not. Well, it may help people, but it's not going to stimulate the economy. Let me kind of break that down to and explain. So the money's going out the door. The people are going to get it. Now, Wall Street, by the way, which usually gets these things wrong, you know, the stock market did not see the dot-com crash, did not see the 2008 financial crisis coming, did not see this financial crisis coming. So the idea that Wall Street looks ahead and gets it right is nonsense. The, The data does not bear that out. But Wall Street's saying, okay... These you know fourteen hundred dollar checks plus the other six hundred so call it two thousand dollar checks are going out the door. People are going to get them. They're going to run right out, you know, buy a new car, a new refrigerator, carpet the house, whatever. That's going to stimulate the economy. That'll actually cause a little inflation, you know, etc. That's not true. The checks are going out. The money is going to get to the people. What they're going to do, what they did the last time, they're going to pay down debt or save it. They're either, you know, if they owe some debt or you owe your rent, you're going to obviously pay your rent or stick it in the bank. Now, if you're unemployed, you're definitely going to save it. You're not going out to dinner and, you know, taking your friends. You're putting the money in the bank. But even if you have a job, you're saying, well, gee, maybe my spouse lost her job or maybe my neighbor lost his job or maybe I'm next. You know, I have my job, but I'm going to get fired next week. So you put it in the bank. They actually call that precautionary savings, you know, saving for a rainy day. So the money's going to go out. People are going to get it but they're not going to spend it. They're going to save it or pay down debt. That doesn't stimulate the economy. I'm not saying that savings is a bad idea. For individuals, it's probably a good idea. But when you apply that to the economy as a whole, 330 million people, if they're sticking it in the bank, they're not spending it. Our our economy is driven by consumption and not by savings. So if, if you don't spend it, and you save it. Again, good for you as an individual, but bad for the economy. So but the spending's real, the deficit's real, and the money's going out, but it's not going to stimulate the economy because people are not going to spend it. And that's just one more example of how you know, people in Congress in Washington and Wall Street, they think they have these grand plans, but they don't think about real people, they don't think about real behavior. It's not going to work.
1: No, it's not going to work at all. H.G. Wells published uh, The War of the Worlds back in 1898. And you have somehow tied this incredible science fiction story into the New Great Depression. Tell me about that.
0: Well, there are two ways. And, uh, you know, I, I know the story from a from a, bit, yeah, a little kid, but I reread the novel recently, and, boy, is it striking and up-to-date. Well, the first thing is, um, you know, the, the, the Martians landed, uh, they had, they had like a giant cannon, and they fired it from Mars and landed, they came out and they had these war machines, these heat rays and, the, you know, tripod machines and heat rays, and nothing could stop them, all the British military, you know, they landed outside of London, uh, the British military couldn't stop them, and people were getting killed left and right, and, you know, they were taking over London, and it looked like they were going to take over the world, and then suddenly the Martians died, they, they found them, the machines had crumbled, and the Martians were like blobs, they were they were dead inside the machines. What killed them? It wasn't the British military. It was a bacteria. Yeah, it was
1: a virus, bacteria. Was,
0: uh-huh. Exactly. They they died of a disease that where they did not have the immunities. So first of all, there's a this coronavirus came in this COVID nineteen. Uh, we you know humans did not have any immunity to it. It had never jumped to humans before. It never been in uh, never infected humans. We did not have the immunity. So then many people got infected many people you know some cases were mild some cases were severe you know boris johnson prime minister of the uk he, he almost died of it that's and right. sadly uh they're having quite a few fatalities so we didn't have this immunity to it so so that's the first parallel which is you know the martians died because they didn't have immunity but there's another parallel a little deeper a little more interesting that hg well set up because as you're reading the novel you say well gee, this, they're outside of London, they're coming. But people in London, life was going on as usual. They didn't believe it. There was this denial, uh, you know, tech, cognitive dissonance is the technical name. But gee, hey, the Martians are coming. Why aren't you running for your life? They didn't believe it. So there was this gap between the perception and the reality. The reality was the Martians were coming and they were killing everything in their path. The perception was, uh, I don't know, it sounds like a rumor. They're kind of far away. They're not here yet, et cetera. And of course, in the end, reality always wins. And London was destroyed in in the novel. So apply that to today. So the stock market is at an all time high. I mean, it is. It recovered the losses from the pandemic crash in the uh, in February March, got back, and now it's at an all time high. And yet, half the economy is being crushed. And people look down their nose at small businesses, you know, restaurants, bars nail salons, boutique shopping, gas stations, et cetera. They go, oh, we want Apple, Netflix, Amazon. You know, and those stocks are going up and they're at an all-time high. But the gap between the Wall Street perception or even the everyday American perception that my 401k is back and the reality of a lockdown crushing half the economy, that is, is as wide as I've ever seen it. The reality is going to win. It always does. But the gap can last for a while. So I thought H. G. Wells did a really good job portraying the perception that everything was fine versus the reality that, you know, death is coming your way. To today in the stock market, there's this perception that everything's fine, but it's not. The economy's in terrible shape.
1: Why hasn't gold and silver taken off like a rocket ship?
0: Well, uh, that's a great question. I mean, gold has uh, almost doubled in the last five years. So it, 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 the trend is up. But it's kind of what we were talking about before with, with the Great Depression, where the stock market, the trend was down. But it was jagged. There were these little peaks. Same thing with gold. The trend is up and it's gonna go a lot higher. But yeah, you have these uh, you know occasional dips and we're in one right now. Um, but each peak gets higher than the one before. That's the thing to watch. Now right now, okay, so why is the gold price kinda stalled out? It's not crashing, but it's it's below the all time highs. Well the reason is that interest rates are going up. You know, you look at the ten year treasury note, that's a, a benchmark that traders and investors use. Uh that's gone up from ninety you know point nine percent to about percent so that's a that's a pretty steep increase so gold doesn't have a yield I mean, gold is gold but it doesn't pay you any interest so if interest rates are going up institutional investors say well give me some of those ten-year notes i don't want the gold because you know i want to get that higher interest so then if you want to predict the gold price you have to say well what's going to happen with interest rates and the answer is they'll probably go up a little bit more and then they're going to come down very sharply because the economy is slowing so again, here's here's another case where again, back to H.G. Wells. Wall Street says, you know, the checks are going out, people are going to spend the money, inflation's on the way, so we need higher interest rates. The reality is, the checks are going out, people are not going to spend the money, the economy is going to go back. We're in a new recession right now in the first quarter of 2021, um, and then eventually that Wall Street will wake up, interest rates will come down, and gold will go up. So so right now it's kind of you know flatish, it's trading in a range. That's because of higher interest rates, but the interest rates are going to turn around. Because the reality is we're, we're crushing half the economy with the lockdowns. By the way, lockdowns don't work. There's, and that's not just an opinion. There's very good science behind that. They don't work to stop the spread of the virus, but they do crush the economy. And that's exactly what the governors and mayors are doing.
1: Jim, let's talk about China. They seem to be steamrolling, but they've got some internal problems, too, financially, don't they?
0: Uh, that's right, George. And I remember uh, you know, during during the Cold War, we used to discuss nuclear warfighting strategies and military strategies. And uh, you know, there'd always be some generals saying, you know, well, the Russians are doing this, and the you know, with the Soviets, you know, but it was essentially the Russians. They're doing this and doing that. And if you want to shut them down, you would say, "Who would you rather be? You know, us or them?" And they go, "Well, I'd rather be the United States, of course." So, same thing today. You know, China, there's this perception they're a juggernaut. They're gonna, it's going to be the Asian century, the Chinese century, et cetera. And, you know, their, their economy has come back. Uh, their military is expanding, and their technology is pretty good. But uh, you wouldn't rather be China. They have enormous vulnerabilities. First of all, um, the, about 45% of their economy is investment. Now, normally, uh, like the United States, for example, we're about 25% investment, so they're almost double investment. That can be okay. If you're investing in productive assets, they're going to pay a yield. You know, they're not. I've been to China. I've been out to these ghost cities. I've got mud on my boots, you know, looking at construction sites. And they build a ghost city. Okay, there's a couple skyscrapers, an apartment building, a resort center, a golf course, uh, you know, a transit stop, airport, the whole thing. And they're empty. Uh, uh, I've been to them, George. They're empty. And I I was with some, you know, Communist Party officials. They were showing me around. I said, "This place is empty." And they go, "Oh, don't worry. It's going to fill up. It hasn't. You can't mothball a building. Yeah, you can mothball some old clothes, baby, but you can't mothball a building. It's actually people using it that and maintaining it that keeps it going." Um, so if you were using good accounting principles, you'd write it off to zero. So they've wasted that money. Yeah, you create some jobs, you buy cement and steel and glass, that's fine, but it's not, it's not sustainable. So they've got too much debt. Um, the U.S. is cutting them off from technology because they've been stealing it. So we say, okay, enough of that. We're starting to blacklist their companies, which are also you know, stealing intellectual property and feeding it right to the People's Liberation Army. So okay, they've made great progress, but Xi is the new emperor. That's the you know the German Xi. Uh, he's the most powerful. Yeah, guy
1: he's here. going to be around a long time, isn't
0: it? He, he is, and he's the most powerful since Mao Zedong. And he's uh, this idea that they were going to end up like us, uh, like a democratic society is nonsense. There.
1: And he may be smarter than Mao Zedong.
0: Well, yes, and healthier in, so in that, his
1: way. That's right.
0: Yeah, uh, that's exactly right.
1: Now. You very astutely have pointed something out with what's going on with COVID-19. Yes, millions of people are infected. Yes, at least in the United States, 380,000 have died from this tragedy. They've died in Canada. But you point out that there's something else underlying here, and that is anxiety levels are at all time. Suicides are high. Divorce rates are high. Civil unrest is out of control. There are disturbances and riots more than ever, and it's not just over the Trump factor. I think COVID has affected people's psyche. What do you think?
0: Well, I agree completely, and the evidence is there. And I have a whole chapter in my book, Chapter 5, just on the mental health aspects of this and the behavioral aspects. So, yes, I talk about the virus, and I talk about the lockdowns and the depression and the economy. That's all there. But there's a whole chapter on mental health. And, George, when I started writing the book... Uh, you know, it's one thing. when You write a book, you you, re- you do research, obviously, and you research other books on the same topic and you learn as much as you can. But when I started this, there was no book on COVID. This is the first book on on the on the COVID pandemic and the economy. So for my research, I went back to the Spanish flu, Spanish influenza of 1918, 1919, and in that one, a um, uh, hundred million people died. It was the greatest. Highest fatality pandemic in the last 650 years, worse than the Black Death of the 14th century. Um, so that, that's kind of your baseline. And the one strange thing about it is nobody wrote about it. You're like, wait a second. A hundred million people died uh, more than in World War One. Why were you know, great writers, Hemingway, Fitzgerald, Dos not writing about this? And the answer is it happened during World War I. So in which 20 million people died. So it was almost like it was too much to process or people were too traumatized. A little bit hard to explain, but clearly uh, it it warped the behavior, and that carried on for decades. Same thing uh, today. So um, you're right. Suicide rates have tripled. Murder rates have doubled. Drug abuse is up. Alcohol abuse is up. Domestic violence is up. There's uh, depression, anxiety, anger. You know, you, you tell someone they've got a quarantine or stay in an apartment for three months, which we did last spring, we're doing it again now. Uh, it's like being in jail. You get all kinds of, or worse maybe, you get all kinds of dysfunctional behaviors. So I looked at all that, and again, the data's there. And I looked at the riots last summer. And for that matter, you could look at the riot on Capitol Hill last week. Um, you know, I, I'm against all the violence, so there's no, no question about that. But you know, one was kind of coming from the left-wing progressive, another one coming from the right-wing. In a way, it doesn't matter. Take the politics out of it, and I say in the book, the virus is not a Republican or a Democrat. The virus just wants to kill you, and that's all you need to know. The virus wants to kill you. And so uh, I, I connect the dots with, um, okay, forget the politics. This behavior, this anger, uh, this depression, uh, this dysfunctional behavior is built up I expect more of it. That's, uh, that's a sad thing to say, but uh, we, can't, uh, we can't ignore the mental health aspects of this. This will carry out, as they say, for, for a generation. This will be around for 20 or 30 years.
1: The book just came out, The New uh, Great Depression. Where do people get it, Jim?
0: Uh, you can get it, obviously, Amazon and uh, Barnes & Noble, PALS online, and it's, all in, it's in the bookstores. So it's out actually all, uh, all over the world. So I hope people uh, have a chance to grab it and enjoy it.
1: Why is Bitcoin going crazy?
0: Well, uh, that, that's a good one. You know, I did an interview in December 2017, and at the time, Bitcoin was going up about $1,000 a day. So it was $8,000, $9,000, you know, and so forth. And I said to the interviewer, and I, I don't own Bitcoin, I don't... You know, if you want to buy it, you know, knock yourself out. And I was a kid, there was a song uh, called uh, Shout, Shout, Knock Yourself Out. So, yeah, if you want to <laughs> do it, that's fine. I, I don't own any, but that's just
1: me. It. it scares me.
0: Uh, yeah, what, what I said to the, the interviewer, I said, look... It was at $8,000 at the time. I said, it's going to go to $20,000, and then it's going to crash. And that's exactly what it did. Within a month, it went to $20,000.
1: Well, now it went to forty, but it's tailed down a little bit, right? And it'll
0: come down more. Uh, so it's, um, you know, this idea that, yes, you know, somehow Bitcoin is going to replace the dollar as the global reserve currency. I mean, the dollar has its problems, but people don't understand reserve currencies. It's not like the People's Bank of China. Has a trillion dollars of hundred dollar bills, you know, on pallets in, in the basement of their building. They don't. You need a bond market. They they take, they buy U.S. Treasury securities. They own the bonds, which by the way are in digital form. The greatest uh, cryptocurrency is the U.S. dollar. I mean, it's it's overwhelmingly digital. You might have a couple bucks in your pocket in Philly. We call it walking around money, but but that's that's minuscule compared to the amount of digital dollars and the message traffic is all encrypted so the dollars a cryptocurrency if you want to call it that but the problem with bitcoin is there's no bond market there's nothing to invest and in. you can buy a bitcoin but there's no bitcoin securities bitcoin bonds bitcoin auctions uh... it, it doesn't have the legal uh... payment uh... infrastructure framework you need to have a reserve currency. so I, you know, if you want to, you know, I prefer roulette, you know because I can have a nice drink and I enjoy it more, but uh, look if people want to buy Bitcoin, that's fine, that's up to them, but it's not going to replace the dollar it's not going to replace anything.
1: Is it liquid enough to get out of?:
0: uh, only in small quantities if if you sort of run for the exits, uh, it would it would just it would collapse. I'm not saying you couldn't execute, but it would collapse. You know, literally 90% in a matter of days if everyone tried to get out at once. It's and the other thing that people don't understand about markets, George, is they go, oh, it went to 40,000, which it It's backed off from there and it's down to the 30s, thousands, 33,000 somewhere mm-hmm. around there. But it only takes one transaction. So there's a there's about a trillion dollars of Bitcoin out there. If you took all the Bitcoin times the market price, it comes to a trillion dollars. But if I want to, I only have to go buy like 100 Bitcoins to make the price go up. And then they they take that price and apply it to all the Bitcoins, it's about 17 million Bitcoins, I believe, in circulation. I mean, they're not in circulation.
1: And if somebody wants out and dumps it, it plummets, right?
0: Correct. If, if, more, if a small seller meets a small buyer, okay, that transaction gets done. But if you're the equivalent of a run on the bank, it's going to crash so fast, it'll make your head spin. Listen to more Coast to Coast AM every weeknight at 1 a.m. Eastern and go to coasttocoastam.com for more.